Hello and welcome to YHTV's nominated show, Magical Medical Tour. This is episode 90. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma, and with me is my wonderful medical guide, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Hello, Dr. Woolman. Hello, Christina. What's up, Doc? Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, now it's officially we're starting the new year. There you go. <clears throat> Great. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman. I will be your host along with Christina today as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy searching for optimal health. And today, Christina, I think you know, we have uh, one of our returning champions, uh, Kabir Southwick, who's a health consultant. He's an Ayurvedic and naturopathic practitioner. He also is an herbalist and formulator. He's a public speaker and an author. We've had him with us uh, on two other episodes, and I would suggest that people go to those episodes, 83, which is Understanding Ayurveda, and episode 85, which is Understanding the Body Types. And today we're going to talk about a very specific part of Ayurveda, and we'll get into that when I bring uh, Kabir on. But I just wanted to say, in Working as a medical guide, I've always talked about the six different categories of things that I look at with nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep management, spirituality, and patterns of behavior. And those of you that follow this show often know that we do spend a lot of time on food and nutrition, et cetera, with uh, Tracy Harrison, a number of other people. A lot of people talk about food and nutrition. And one of the reasons we do this is I feel that in my studies and in my learning, I'm seeing more and more evidence that food and the things we eat and ingest are, although we know they're a very important part of being healthy, they also seem to be taking a very important part now in illness and uh, chronic issues, chronic inflammatory processes. So that is one of the reasons that we focus so much on that. And most of our focus has been on the nutritional aspects and uh, the mechanical aspects of the gastrointestinal tract and talking about good foods and healthy foods and whole foods. But one in the last episode with uh, Kabir, he brought up something very important, and it was that Ayurveda focuses not as much on the nutrition, although the nutritional aspects are very important, but within the body types it's about the digestion of the food. So that's that's the area we're going to look at today. So with that in mind, I want to introduce our audience, those of you who have not met Kabir. It's Kabir Southwick. Greetings, Kabir. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Hello, Good Kabir. To Good to see you, Christina. Good to see you too. We love your look today. You should well, explain you. to our audience. <laughs> The hat is from Afghanistan. <laughs> it's, uh, Just, it's such a great look of yours. <laughs> thank you. Does that hat uh, represent something specific? It is, is it the hat of a, I don't know, what is it? It's a, tra it's a traditional Afghani hat, and the sides roll down to cover the ears um, in case of extreme uh, cold, from what I've heard. It's very warm, and it's made from the underbelly of the wool of uh, a mountain sheep. And they never complain about the cold. <laughs> wow, it's that specific? Yes, apparently. That's what I heard. Wow. So so being in Ojai, wearing a hat like that. Uh, <laughs> 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 you got to be pretty hot under there, Kabir. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little cold in the evening, but it's not, wonderful weather in the daytime. Mm. Any of the mountain sheep in Ojai nervous about you wearing that hat? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kabir, enough playing around. Although, before we get to it, uh, no, I guess we should do it this way. I want you to review the body types for us, the pita, the vata, and the kapha, so that as we go through this, people will have an understanding of what we're talking about. Brief review of pita. Uh, well, the pita uh, is the... Pitta means fire, so the pitta is the body type that is warm, a warmer body temperature, um, tendency towards uh, uh, overheating, a strong appetite, muscular, um, strong upper body strength, 
generally a very assertive uh, person, and typical digestive problems are a heartburn and uh, acid reflux uh, in, in this regard, yes. Okay, and the vata? The vata is the uh, more thin, skinny, very active, often nervous. A uh, person has difficulty uh, sleeping, a little more uh, tendency towards anxiety, and for digestive issues, uh, their concerns besides uh, are generally uh, constipation. And they also tend to be very dry and have dry skin. And finally, the kapha. The kapha is the most uh, typical to uh, put on weight. They put on weight very easily. They have a more round uh, body uh, shape and uh, more full-figured and voluptuous, we could say. Uh, and uh, they tend to uh, be able to skip breakfast very easily. Many kaphas uh, do not have breakfast and have a lower appetite. And uh, their main digestive problem is actually a low appetite or too much mucus and congestion. Uh, perfect. I think that'll be a good review. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, if people go back to some of the earlier episodes, they will find some more in-depth definitions. So in our last episode, Kabir, you brought up something I thought that was really important. You shifted my whole focus for a moment uh, on talking about nutrition and eating and things like that, on concentrating on the body types and the way that each body type is capable of digesting food. I thought that was really interesting because for me, uh, the Ayurvedic practices go back what, 5,000 years now? Is that around the area that we're looking at? Thousands of years, yes. And I know that in Western medicine, we look at digestion and we understand about the enzymes coming from the pancreas and, and from the gallbladder and the liver and the all of the complex carbohydrates and proteins and lipids. I'm not sure or I don't know that the uh, Ayurvedics, the early healers, knew about this, but they knew something. What was it? What was it that gave them their information about digestion? Well, they were clearly aware of the different organs and the functions of the uh, bile and the gallbladder uh, in regards to uh, digestion of uh, fat and the uh, functions of the pancreas in uh, secreting the digestive enzymes for digestion and the acids in the stomach. Uh, I don't know if they knew um, of their, uh, the details in which we know today, but much of which science has uh, discovered today, Ayurveda seems to have known in the past. Ayurveda is not as concerned about the why, um, and obviously they're not, not concerned about scientific research and double-blind studies to, to prove their points. It's uh, really based on their own uh, thousands of years of experience and uh, resolving digestive problems or resolving health problems and just knowing what works and what the actions of foods are uh, more than understanding why. Did they break down foods into proteins, carbohydrates, and fats, or did they break it down into these are cruciferous vegetables and these are uh, meats and things like that? Well, I can't really uh, say for sure um, because Ayurveda doesn't speak in these terms of nutrition, but they do speak in terms of hard to digest foods, uh, foods high in fat, foods low in fat, uh, uh, foods that are building, uh, thus protein foods, foods that are good for uh, energy, uh, uh, high carbohydrate foods. So in general terms, they they did um, teach uh, along those lines. So we, we clearly know that in Ayurveda, there is an emphasis on digestion. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, in fact, um, Ayurveda sees the source of all disease resulting uh, from um, poor digestion, or even more specifically, the colon or the large intestine. All disease comes from that. Yes, I, I can't say that I personally can trace uh, how. And again, Ayurveda isn't that focused on the how or the why. 
but it is the understanding and teachings of Ayurveda that digestion has to be resolved uh, first in all cases. And of course, this is, um, makes sense from uh, an analytical point of view, even in the terms of, say, taking supplements. If you have poor digestion, you're not able to absorb the nutrients, um, then even supplementation uh, will not be effective and can be even become undigested and thus uh, toxic. Okay, so how, and you mentioned this, I think, in your last episode, and maybe in both episodes, where when people come to you with a complaint, you, of course, listen to their complaint and everything, but your first focus, even before necessarily addressing the complaint, is to address their uh, digestion. So that's the start of everything for you, right? Uh, yes. Well, that's, uh, you know, what uh, we're taught in Ayurveda is to always improve digestion first, because even you cannot give people uh, not just supplements, but even herbs require some digestion. So if digestion is poor, then uh, herbal uh, formulas, uh, supplementation, uh, even changes in the diet could be uh, fruitile. And uh, until there's healthy digestion, uh, which is evident, of course, by healthy elimination. So that's how, in your initial evaluation of somebody, when you're talking to them, aside from their complaint, you're trying to evaluate their digestive capabilities. And you do this through questions and talking to them. What kind of questions do you ask someone to determine whether their digestion is adequate or inadequate? Yeah, that's that's a good question there. And everybody should really think of their own digestion and maybe think through some of these questions on their own, uh, because often we overlook what Ayurveda would consider a very serious digestive problem. We may think of it as only a, a minor inconvenience, but in fact, this, uh, these signs uh, uh, show a poor digestion, poor absorption, and can lead to um, malnutrition, dehydration. But to answer your question, the the first question I generally ask is, how is a person's appetite, uh, particularly in the morning and before meals? Uh, generally, you want a, a strong appetite. You, you want to have a hunger before meals. Of course, if somebody has, has an infection or is ill, appetite will uh, decrease, which is natural. Uh, fasting is a natural reaction to uh, uh, boosting the immune system. So we should never force somebody or ourselves to eat if we're uh, uh, feeling unhealthy, but generally it's a healthy sign to have a good hunger in the morning. So this is a critical. If a person says they're not hungry till two, three in the afternoon, then this can be too much congestion, too much mucus, too much uh, in the in the stomach. Uh, it can be constipation. Uh, these can be other signs. Uh, second would be bowel movement, and not just the number of bowel movements, which is very important here often. People, uh, are, uh, most people, when I ask them how are their bowel movements, their their general answer a lot of times is a oh, fine, regular, normal, and uh, but in fact uh, it, it uh, that's normal often from their own experience. Uh, Ayurveda, we look for the same amount of bowel movements as we have meals. So if a person's having three meals a day, then we are looking for three bowel movements a day. So. Um, obviously going one day without a bowel movement and you're eating every single day is considered constipation more than three days, chronic constipation, and just one bowel movement a day, uh, shows room for improvement. Second is to ask about the consistency of the bowel movements. Are they well-formed or whether they loose, um, uh, whether they're uh, thin whether they're thick, whether they're floating on top of the water, sinking in top of the water, whether they have a strong odor, whether they're dense, whether they're fluffy. Uh, and generally, a good healthy bowel movements are fluffy due to the bacteria in the colon. Uh, dense, sticky ones show uh, low uh, intestinal flora in the colon. Uh, narrow bowel movements can show lack of fiber or uh, blockage in the colon. Uh, sinking, uh, dark uh, bowel movements can sh uh, show uh, toxicity, lack of uh, fatty acids, lack of oil. Uh, so these are 
a very important in Ayurveda, and its urination also is uh, analyzed. When you uh, talk to someone like that and someone has already seen you, then they know to come in and when you ask them those questions about what their uh, stools look like, they may be able to answer you. But somebody who's never been to an Ayurvedic doctor and they don't have those answers, do you start to treat them or do you wait for them to go home and then come back and give you those answers so that you can make a better diagnosis? Well, generally, I get right to the point when people call me on the phone, what's your name, what's your height, what's your weight, and uh, what are your bowel movements? So uh, they, they learned real fast that this is important information for me. And uh, if they're not clear, I tell them to take note uh, and notice and uh, let me know on their first uh, appointment. Okay, so, so in terms of appetite, just to summarize for a moment, first is your appetite. And you also look at urine and bowel movements. Uh, what are some of the other symptoms that you're asking people about to tell whether or not they have a, a digestion problem or their digestion is working correctly? Well, obviously, uh, uh, gas and bloating uh, can be a sign of poor digestion. I think if, if you're a car mechanic and you see a car going down the road with smoke coming out the back, you know there's a problem with the engine even though the person driving it may be oblivious of it. And this is often the same with uh, gas and bloating. Uh, from the uh, perspective of somebody who's trying to improve digestion, gas and bloating is, is not a good sign and often indicative of uh, weak digestion. So, Especially uh, if and it's then common. of course, excuse me? Go ahead. I'm so, no, I'm sorry. Uh, other conditions, acid re, uh, reflux. Um, uh, heartburn, uh, these also uh, would be uh, uh, indications that uh, there are uh, deep uh, imbalances. And the digestive complaints, as they, they would be called, are the, the symptoms of these uh, imbalances. How, how does one who just had a large meal or some kind of a meal and then gets bloating or reflux or something, how do they de determine, in, or how do you teach them to determine whether it was this part of the meal or that part of the meal? Do you have a process where you talk with people about their diet and say, let's stop this for a while and see if what's causing the actual bloating or the gas or the heartburn? What's your process there? Well, in, in fact, once you understand a person's uh, body type or Ayurvedic dosha, uh, prakriti, uh, you, you then can almost uh, uh, conclude their common digestive problems. For example, mm -hmm. if you have a, a vata body type, which I, obviously I can determine quite quickly, often from the phone call or when they first arrive, I see a thin uh, uh, person who has dry skin and other indications from them physically, uh, I know that I have a vata-dominant person here. So my first questions will be in line with typical vata problems, which are constipation, dry stool, stools, gas, and bloating um, uh, from uh, certain foods. So I may ask them, do you get to gas and bloating from beans, cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, particularly those cruciferous vegetables uncooked? And if they say, yeah, I do. I go, is your stool generally dry and you have a long history of constipation? They go, yeah, I do. How'd you know? So once you know the person's type, it's like knowing the, uh, the, the car model and uh, telling them the typical problems that are uh, with that particular uh, model car. For the pitta type, of course, they have the heat and the uh, warmth uh, and the strong stomach acid, which is one re uh, reason their body is warmer and they have a strong appetite, uh, but they have the tendency for the um, heartburn, acid reflux, um, and uh, other, other health conditions. But so you often ask them, once you know you have a pitta person, which you can generally tell by seeing them and feeling their warm body temperature upon shaking their hands, right off the bat, I may ask them, if you have a history of easily getting um, heartburn, acid reflux, and they'll say, yeah, how'd you know? And that's, so already I'm uh, well on the trail 
of understanding this person's digestive uh, concerns or problems throughout their life uh, based on just knowing their, their body type. For the, just to complete, for the kapha type, generally these are the ones who are a little more overweight and uh, uh, full-bodied. And uh, I asked them, do you generally skip breakfast, not have much appetite, don't eat until 2 o'clock, tend to eat, you know, able to eat later in the evening, and sometimes don't feel eating like eating at all, or do you get nasal congestion easily from uh, a dairy? And they'll say, yes, how'd you know? So um, once, you, once you really, this really confirms not only their body type, but that they're having the uh, the imbalances or the signs of imbalance for that particular body type. Okay, so we've talked about appetite. What's the next uh, area that you look at? Uh, yeah, well, how they feel after a meal. Uh, before the meal, if there's um, good appetite, if they're hungry for the meal, which, you know, shows that they have uh, stomach acids and not too much mucus in the uh, stomach lining, uh, and then during the meal, whether they are feel any discomfort or any uh, bloating immediately after the meal, whether they feel uh, tired or sleepy or heavy after a meal, this can also uh, reveal the state of their uh, uh, digestion. And when they do have gas or bloating or discomfort, the question is, is it soon? Is it two hours later? Or is it, uh, you know, the next, only on the next morning, this can indicate uh, where the problems are in the GI tract uh, based on how long uh, the, it is since the symptoms uh, from the time that they ate the meal. Well, that's a good, that's good. I was going to ask you about uh, the timing of that. So that, that's important. So after how they feel, then what else do you look at? Or what else, uh, what else should well, they be looking at at the same time? You know, sometimes there are a lot of people out there that don't go to an Ayurvedic practitioner and are finding these things. So what other things should they be looking for? Um, you know, the proper elimination, that's the, that's the real evidence of good digestion. And many of my clients, they come to me with a wide range of health conditions. Um, but initially, I'm trying to improve the digestion, um, uh, which uh, when I have a, you know, two, three uh, healthy bowel movements a day and a good appetite before meals and no discomfort or gas and bloating, then we could uh, conclude that they now have good digestion. And many times this will solve a lot of their problems um, right then because then the absorption of food improves, absorption of their supplements improves. Uh, and of course, once the body has these uh, nutrients and it's not creating uh, excess uh, undigested food, which is toxic. We often think of toxins as pesticides, chemicals, and things affected uh, coming from the environment. But in fact, we're all producing toxins every single day uh, due to undigested food. And none of, our, none of us is capable of digesting 100% of our food if, uh, completely efficiently. So poor digestion basically means only a percentage of your food is properly digested. And the, not only do you not have the nutrients and have the value from that undigested food, but it becomes toxic in the uh, GI tract and uh, can affect your overall health with autotoxicity and uh, other uh, and exasperate other conditions like inflammation uh, and uh, skin problems due to uh, your creating toxins every day. And, and in fact, this is the time of the year, I think, that you mentioned that you help your clients and patients with detoxification. We may get into that a little bit later or maybe in another show. Uh, I want to talk about some of the common digestive digestive issues for the vata, the pitta, and the kapha, and maybe some guidelines as we go ahead. But Christina, uh, as we're doing this, what's going through your mind? Well, I always knew that a regular bowel movement was so important. I mean, it's the same with Chinese medicine and many other uh, 
other sources of medicine. But when you said, when you made the comment that you should be doing a bowel moment per meal, I was like, wow, <laughs> all right, I'm way off here. I, what, what about the individuals, Kabir, that, that like do six small meals a day? Does that mean they have to make six small poops a day? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this. Um, I usually speak to clients about improving their digestion in terms of uh, what they eat, which is should be based on their Ayurvedic body type. So, and because this is generally geared towards what's going to be suitable for their digestion, and then uh, how to eat, and then uh, third, when to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, the uh, when and the how are more important than the what. We often have people uh, focusing on what they eat, and they're often eating very healthy food, particularly up here in Ojai. People are living out of, uh, off of ranches and organic farms and having all organic food, and have, uh, there's plenty of digestive problems with people who are eating good food, healthy food. They may not be eating the right food for their body type, but they are eating a technically healthy, whole food. So just what you eat is not always the answer, and there tends to be over-focus, I find, on that. Um, uh, so I would like to discuss the how and the when to eat. This is often the, the biggest mistake people make that deteriorates their digestive system over time. And uh, signs of other signs of poor digestion, of course, are the inability to digest difficult-to-digest foods. And these would include nuts. Uh, dairy, uh, glutinous grains. So we see many people who say, oh, I can't have any wheat. Oh, I can't eat any dairy. Oh, I I used to be able to have wheat, but now I can't. I used to be able to have dairy or yogurt, but now I can't. So I think a person who, uh, or a practitioner who's not uh, familiar with understanding the digestive system may say, okay, fine. Don't have dairy. Don't have wheat. Don't Don't have nuts. But in fact, to me, that's just a sign of weak digestion, unless, of course, there's a true allergic reaction uh, to these foods. But that's generally not the case. Most people mix up uh, allergic reactions with a poor digestion. In Mm. fact, they have a poor digestion, and they're not really allergic to wheat. They're not really allergic to dairy, um, and their digestive system is just weak. So how did they get the weak digestion? This is really the, the interesting point. And that generally they get it from very from not eating uh, in a proper manner, and that is having a space between the meals. That's really the key. Snacking on nuts, seeds, crackers, cookies between meals, or like you said, having multiple little meals throughout the day. This will deteriorate your digestive system in a couple years. Uh, hmm. When you're young, you can get away with it, but as you get older. If you don't uh, have a space three to six hours between meals, then over a couple years, you, you, your digestive system gets weak. These people tend to not really be that hungry for a meal or they just feel they need a little food for their blood sugar because now they've got their body addicted to eating every couple hours and they end up living off of the carbohydrates from that and they're not really uh, uh, metabolizing or we could say burning um, uh, body fat uh, uh, to sustain themselves between meals. So um, having cookies, crackers, and particularly nuts, this is a a disastrous one. Um, I have many people who come (laughs) in with gas, bloating, and uh, discomfort, um, and I ask them not what you're eating, but I say, um, uh, what are you eating between the meals? Mm. And they say, well, I like to have nuts between the meals. I like to and this is one of the worst things you could have, have between meals, unless you have a very strong digestive system and you're very hungry, um, where you have strong stomach acids to break down that protein. Because nuts, are, if you put them in your stomach, they're going to stay there for a good hour. It's a, they're very dense. They're very hard. They're high in protein. Mm-hmm. They're high, high in fat. They require bile. So basically, they require all of your digestive capacity to eat a handful of nuts. So an hour or two hours later, you're not going to have the, the enzymes, maybe not the bile, for sure not the stomach acids, to have another big meal. So what do you do? You have another small meal. And then the cycle begins, mm. uh, and then you're stuck on this two, me- 
eating every couple hours. And of course, it's not very productive in life if you spend this much time uh, eating and preparing food. The body can sustain itself for weeks without food um, by utilizing its own uh, body fat, assuming that you have some. Uh, so it's, uh, I always encourage the client to have a break of a few hours, at least three hours uh, be between meals. Um, basically based on the amount of body fat that you have in your body. If you're overweight, then why not have two meals a day and put six, seven hours between there, and that will help you burn that body fat between the meals and have a strong appetite when the next meal comes. And if you're underweight, you could have, like a vata, you could have four meals a day and just put three or four hours between, but still there needs to be the gap and the break for the digestive system to continue its process absorbing nutrients, digesting, moving the food down into the colon before you start throwing in more food in the top. The only exception to uh, snacking is uh, fruit. Fruit's very easy to digest. There's uh, you know, almost no protein, except in the case of, say, avocados uh, um, and no oil. So it's very easy for the, the system to, say, have an apple. It just passes through almost like water. So basically, I encourage people to have two, three, or four meals based on their body type and uh, amount of body fat, and just have fruit between the meals. And if you're going to have nuts and seeds, have, do like the Chinese and have them with the meals. That recommendation mm. alone, people have come back just in a week and said, no more gas and bloating. I'm hungry for every meal. I feel so much better. Wow. And because of all the fruit, then you start to go a little more regularly. Exactly. And, and, the, and the fruit also adds more liquid, helps improve uh, bowel movements, keeps your blood sugar up between the meals. You know, just think of grandma. If you came to grandma at four or five in the afternoon and she, you know, a couple hours before dinner, she's not going to give you a, any a cookie, cracker or nuts. She's going to give you an apple and know that that'll hold you out for an hour and you'll be still hungry in an hour. So uh, we should uh, think of grandma's advice and not be snacking on these cookies, crackers, and nuts uh, between meals and allow our appetite to build up so we're actually hungry for the next meal, which is the most uh, important thing for good digestion is to actually be hungry for the meal. Hmm. So, so those people who have issues with low blood sugar, et cetera, they should be having a fruit as opposed to the nuts and the other crackers or whatever that might be. Yeah, I mean, there are certain cases of uh, diabetics and extreme low blood sugar uh, where you have to be very careful in weaning somebody off of this eating two meals, uh, I mean, eating meals every couple hours. There has to be some caution in for some people, particularly if they're on medications. But uh, overall, uh, yes, you can you can wean everybody off of this over time and they can keep themselves going and keep the blood sugar stable by using a fruit, obviously not in excessive amounts if you have uh, high blood sugar issues. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I would, I would want to add to that that it, it is very important that everything we say here is really based on a specific individual diagnosis. We don't, I mean, we can make some general terms here and there uh, that are good for everybody, but at the end of the day, it's very important that with your practitioner, with your physician, you go over the things that are going on with you and make specific changes for that. If a person, as as Kabir said, if a person is a diabetic on different types of medication, there might be an oral medication versus an insulin injection, which which helps people to determine how they need to eat and what they need to eat. And usually a person that is a diabetic will go through a lot of training after they make that diagnosis mm. about what are the proper things to eat. Mm. <clears throat> oh, this is this is amazing, Kabir. I I think <laughs> you're you're changing a lot of people's thoughts on <laughs> diet as we go on. Uh, a quick question before we look at some of the di common digestive issues. When you talk about uh, how nuts, for example, might be difficult to absorb. If you had them, say, in a blender and you made a juice drink where you soaked the nuts for a while and then you grinded them up, do you have the same issue with that? Or is it a little bit different when they're in the form of a juice? Yeah, obviously, um, 
you know, nuts can be a nut uh, a butter. You can uh, soak them. Soak them is very advisable for the vata body type because nuts are dry, vatas are dry, nuts are hard to digest, vatas have difficult digestion. So the vata type does much better on soaked uh, nuts. And obviously you blend them uh, in, the, in a Vitamix, then you're, you're liquefying them, and this makes it much easier for the body to uh, absorb them. And in fact, most people don't chew nuts sufficiently enough to even digest them. Uh, pieces of food in the stool they generally show that a person has uh, not been chewing their food properly. And that's really the first lesson in digestion is uh, uh, pro- uh, chewing the food properly. In India, I would uh, sit with uh, uh, an Indian doctor and we would all sit around because he was uh, making us chew each bite 20 times before uh, we were allowed to uh, swallow it. Of course, we only did this when he was present, uh, but <laughs> it, it, it did, uh, it did uh, uh, prove a point uh, that it, it improved digestion tremendously. Everybody, after eating with this man for uh, just a few days during a type of retreat where we had the pressure on us to really chew our food and eat slowly, um, we, we all noticed improvements in our energy levels, uh, more uh, cons- uh, smoother bowel movements, no pieces of stool in there. So it's very important to uh, masticate and really chew the food properly. And that makes me think of a, other, a few other uh, poor habits that people have that uh, adversely affect their digestion. Eating too quickly, number one. Um, eating, eating in the car. Um, eating while standing, and Ayurveda, they um, strongly speak against eating while standing. In fact, they prefer that you're sitting on the floor, not on a chair. Um, And I think there has been some scientific uh, research that has stated that the intestinal tract is in a better position to uh, digest and eliminate if we sit on the floor over chairs. Definitely sitting on a a, a toilet, a Western toilet, um, makes it more difficult um, for our colon to uh, have bowel movements. So uh, either a flat toilet or putting a stool in front of your toilet and raising up your uh, knees up to your chest level um, uh, while going to the bathroom will help a lot uh, in this regard. But I always encourage people, don't eat fast. Sit down, take your time, don't eat, um, chew as each bite consciously, try not to talk too much uh, and do other things while eating, and definitely don't be eating in the car. Again, the only real exception is probably fruit um, and teas, which uh, teas also have nutritional value, so, but they're very obviously easy to uh, absorb. I just read an interesting, I just read an article, it's a preliminary article, but they were talking about green tea, and we all talk about and listen to all the great advantages of green tea, which there are many, but there's a study out now that they're looking at uh, certain types of medications for high blood pressure. Uh, If you drink green tea and you're taking these medications, they may not be as good for you. They may react against the anti-hypertensive medication. So again, as always, we say, you know, there might be something that's really good and healthy, but it's not always perfect for everyone. So it's very important to talk about that. Uh, Those are great uh, points that you brought up, Kabir. I want to talk about some of the the common digestive issues that you see for the different body types. What is, what would you say is the most common and what's the basic guideline and uh, home remedy for the most common uh, well, digestive gas problem. Blo- gas and bloating is a big issue. Um, and once you, uh, first I try to address the eating habits as far as, you know, uh, not uh, snacking, as we mentioned, not eating too quickly, putting more space between the meals. And this goes a long way and often solves the problem over half the time. And uh, uh, certain Fruits and vegetables can contribute more to gas and bloating. Often poor food combining is a a source of gas and bloating, particularly if the flatulence is very uh, stinky. Uh, This means that it's fermented too long 
through the uh, it's processed through the GI tract, and uh, often this is due to combining too much fruits and vegetables. We see this a lot with people uh, juicing, putting greens in, and then berries in, and blueberries and kale. And um, when I have people journal their diet, um, I can see these wild combinations. And uh, they're having, um, sometimes they'll say, I have gas and bloating every afternoon. And then in the morning, they're having one of these uh, fruit and uh, vegetable juice smoothies. Often many of these protein powders that we see often combine uh, vegetable powders plus acai berries and goji berries and everything else that they can think of. And they put it in there. And these can contribute to gas and bloating. But overall, poor food combining, particularly uh, fruits and vegetables together, will contribute to uh, uh, gas and bloating. So it's always good to eliminate these first. But if people still have issues, um, there's many simple home remedies without getting into uh, herbal remedies. One is uh, a cumin, uh, cooking with spices. One uh, in general is much healthier, but a cumin tea. Just uh, one teaspoon of cumin with some hot water. Sip this after meals. This can help with uh, uh, digestion and uh, gas in particular. Um, Aspahita type or hing, a type of uh, Ayurvedic uh, herb. Having a half a teaspoon with um, warm water after meals can help with the gas and bloating. Um, and even, even fennel, coriander, uh, uh, tea can also help. Chewing on fennel seeds after meals, which is traditional in India, also helps with uh, mm. gas and bloating. Uh, I think those, those are some great uh, pieces of advice. That's almost your health tip. There we what go. About, <laughs> what about people Please. that uh, travel and are in different countries where they're concerned about uh, digestive issues? Is there something people can do to protect themselves before they get something and prevent something uh, like a nausea or vomiting or traveler's diarrhea? And if they actually do get it, what are some of the things they can do while they have it to uh, deal with that? Um, yes, well, of course, for nausea, ginger is, is very effective. Uh, mm -hmm. Ginger tea, just chewing on ginger. And um, I, I wanted to stay, speak a little bit more about spices. Um, often we have a lot of our digestive problems due to uh, not using spices. So I, I mix up my own spices for clients um, based on their health condition because, and digestive state because they are so powerful. They're so underutilized in our modern society. At one time, uh, the price of uh, cardamom uh, was higher than the price of gold. And all of the European uh, aristocrats from the Renaissance on were all bringing these spices from the Far East through the Middle East, uh, and they were considered uh, very valuable digestive aids to help digestion. So adding spice to your meal can add a, a, a lot. Uh, putting cumin, coriander uh, for an overweight person who has a weak digestion, or we, we call an Ayurveda low agni which means your digestive fire, adding black pepper um, to the meals. Even put sprinkling black pepper on a salad will help you to digest the raw vegetables much better. I've had many people who found just putting black pepper on their salads uh, helped them tremendously and, and took away all gas and bloating. Cooking um, their so sauces and their legumes with uh, turmeric, coriander, cumin, asafajita, uh, black pepper, uh, helped with digestion in, in many, many cases. So spices are very important. And the most, uh, as a home remedy, for somebody who doesn't have appetite, particularly in the morning, I, I'd say first advice is don't eat at night. Many people who don't have appetite in the morning were night eaters. So they were mm. eating at night and the food remained undigested. So of course they had no appetite in the morning. So most people, if you tell them don't eat past six o'clock, they'll be hungry in the morning. But if they're still not hungry before the meals, which is low agni or low digestive fire, then a, a great home remedy is to get a raw ginger, a little slice of it, and um, either chew on it directly or for the vata type, they could touch it in a little a rock salt and then chew on that just 20, 30 minutes before a meal. And for the um, uh, kapha, 
they could have a little ginger with a little lime or just ginger tea. And uh, both of these uh, methods will stimulate the uh, digestive enzymes uh, or uh, secrete, I should say, the digestive enzymes and increase stomach acids uh, to prepare them to better digest their meals. So spices are very important and ginger being a very good stimulator of uh, appetite and thus good digestion. You talked about constipation before. What's uh, some of your home remedies for constipation? Uh, again, stop snacking, start having fruit between the meals. Um, and eating on time is very important. I'm sorry I didn't mention that earlier. That was the when. We covered the how. not. Uh, so eating around the same time every day is also very important. In our society, we eat very irregularly, um, you know, sometimes having breakfast here, sometimes having breakfast at this time. Um, of course, if we raise children, you know, or have a large family. I think this helps keeps a, keep us eating on uh, a regular schedule. And this is very helpful for all uh, digestive conditions, but particularly for constipation. Uh, but the home remedies for constipation are uh, generally soaked prunes. Stop having all dried uh, fruits and dried rice crackers. Of course, there's different types of constipation. There's a dry constipation and there's uh, moist constipation. But if it's dry, you want to avoid any dry crackers, dried uh, fruit. Uh, many people who are constipated are having dried fruit regularly, and this absorbs a lot of the uh, li liquid in the uh, GI tract and then uh, creates a dryness in the colon, and this uh, contributes to it. So again, the juicy fruits. But the common uh, home remedy is five soaked prunes in water. You get five prunes and put them in like a two or three ounces of water, let them soak till they're mushy like baby food, and eat these uh, in the afternoon. Another good home remedy is homemade yogurt. You can't use uh, Vons yogurt, but you have to have a, a naturally made yogurt with the, with the, um, the ba healthy bacteria in it. And mix it with, say, one um, or two teaspoons of uh, ground flax or even a psyllium husk and have this in the evening. Uh, this will obviously uh, bulken up the stools. So, of course, some people, they don't have enough fiber, so just adding in more fiber. I believe most people are deficient in fiber. We don't get enough fiber, and this is one problem with uh, relying on juicing for a meal is there's no fiber in a, in a juice uh, unless you're, you're making it in a blender over a juicer. Um, so increasing the fiber is very important. Ground flax is a, a soluble and insoluble fiber, and it has other uh, healthy fats which make it very good to add to your oatmeal, a couple teaspoons of ground flaxseed, sprinkling uh, flaxseed on your uh, meals, cooking legumes and beans with some flax. Uh, this will increase your fiber, and this will bulken up your stools and make it easier for the colon to uh, have its peristaltic action and, and push out your bowels. So you need the fiber. You need uh, uh, regular eating habits without snacking. And you need uh, uh, some juicy fruit in between, particularly uh, like prunes that uh, encourage bowel movements. What do you, uh, Kabir, what do you think about probiotics? Any thoughts on that? Because you were mentioning the yogurt. and Yes, well, I always uh, encourage people to, to get these healthy intestinal flora from their food. And... Um, the three sources are uh, yogurt, which is most suitable for the vata type because they do very well with yogurt. So if you're making homemade yogurt, as I do, there's um, uh, plenty of uh, lactobulgarius uh, and other um, bacteria in uh, homemade yogurt, as long as you're having a little bit with each meal. Again, you don't want it as a snack. You want to have it with the meal. And then uh, fermented vegetables, uh, sauerkraut, which was traditionally used in uh, Germanian society. For theirs, and then in the Far East, they used a fermented toy, soy, a tempeh, a miso. So, uh, based on your body type and even the season, you should be having one of these um, types of uh, foods with your meal, which is all cultures really do. Uh, once we look at the history of uh, of all 
cultures, we see that they have discovered uh, one type of uh, food that provides them with these in, in healthy intestinal flora. Of course, uh, this did, wasn't a problem at all hundreds of years ago before the advent of um, antibiotics. Antibiotics have really been the reason why we have to take our probiotics um, is because through antibiotic use, as we know, it destroys not just the bacteria that uh, uh, the unhealthy or bacteria, but are also our healthy bacteria. So this really um, requires that you put in new probiotics. But often people don't take probiotics properly. Uh, if you take too much of your probiotics with your juice or your food, uh, the stomach acids and the digestive process will probably kill most of these. Uh, so it's best to take them with an uh, uh, empty stomach with a large amount of water so they're actually um, moved or transported down to the colon. Uh, these, these bacteria don't live in your stomach or even the upper uh, small intestinal tract. They're in your colon. So you, you're not going to get them down there unless you uh, either drink a, with a lot, lot of water or uh, even better, um, take it directly in an enema. And this is the fastest way to replenish your intestinal flora and your colon quickly is just put uh, the probiotics in an enema and then uh, insert it and hold it in there for a little while. And this will uh, solve your problem uh, very quickly. In some cases now, they're actually uh, doing transplants of stools into other people if, with people that have severe colon disorders uh, and they've destroyed their microbial flora, they're actually transplanting into uh, other people. Yes, yeah, so, uh, apparently even a mother <clears throat> kissing a child is passing bacteria onto the child. And, um, you know, through the birthing channel, we, we get our first uh, influx of this uh, <clears throat> healthy bacteria, which then should touch our, the, the newborn child's lips and then enter the GI tract. Uh, this is the reason in Ayurveda, it's not advocated to wash or clean a newborn child for a couple days um, and even to move some of this, uh, 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 this covering that comes over a newborn child towards the mouth of the child to allow the, this bacteria coming from the mother into the GI tract to, to begin uh, the, the healthy growth of this bacteria in the newborn child to uh, protect it um, because the immune system is, is dependent on this bacteria. So clean, over, over sterilization, cleaning your hands too much, cleaning a newborn child's immediately upon birth, uh, washing our skin too much, being too sterile is also uh, now not considered uh, supportive of having good intestinal flora. In fact, um, children even put dirt in their mouth um, as a, in a subconscious way to replenish their own intestinal flora. Of course, we uh, in the uh, delivery room, after we make sure the baby is okay, the first thing we do is clean them off totally. That's right. So, that's an interesting process. Kabir, I want to ask you about... Um, there are many people now that are suffering from arthritic diseases and inflammation of joints, rheumatoid arthritis, and a number of other arthritides. Uh, and we talk about some of the foods that are inflammatory, that are aggravating these uh, joints and inflaming them and causing inflammation in many different parts of the body. Do you have an anti-inflammatory diet that you suggest? I know that's a big question, but just in general. <laughs> It's a big question. I'll try to speak quickly to cover it. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, Ayurveda had identified these foods thousands of years ago, which always surprises me when I read some research here in the West where they've uh, come to a conclusion of something that uh, was taught to me that apparently came from teachers thousands of years ago. But um, to answer your question about which foods in a nutshell, it's the uh, nightshades uh, which now many people seem to be aware of, uh, tomatoes, uh, eggplant, white potatoes, all the peppers, and even paprika uh, fall in that category. And they are extremely uh, inflammatory and irritating, uh, 
even to the intestinal tract. Um, and, and the pitta body type, by the way, uh, who has a tendency towards to have inflammation, uh, loose stools, and, um, and it, it does not do very well with this uh, category of uh, vegetables. So I've had many people come to me uh, with uh, arthritic pain or joint pain and uh, who are having tomato sauce uh, two or three times a week and, and are growing tomatoes in their backyard and consuming them in large amounts. And after even two or three days, noticed a 10 or 20% reduction of their uh, joint pain just by eliminating tomatoes a- a- alone. But once they get rid of all of these nightshades, uh, they'll notice uh, an improvement. And uh, there's much more research coming out to support this. But in the, uh, as far as fruit, it's the citrus that are uh, inflammatory and heating, particularly the grapefruit and uh, most uh, citrus fruits. Uh, and again, these are not advised for the apitha body type because of their irritating effect on the intestinal tract, their warming effect, which now we know is due to their high niacin content. Um, so those are eliminated. And as far as grains, the most inflammatory grains are uh, corn, whether it's organic or and, and rye. Um, and the most anti-inflammatory grains are uh, barley. And uh, so basically, if you put somebody on a, a, a even a basmati rice is a little sweet and it's less inflammatory than other grains. So say, uh, but Barley would be the best. Barley, lentils, um, steamed uh, squashes uh, with uh, anti-inflammatory uh, spices, uh, turmeric, dill, fennel. These are all very uh, calming for the intestinal tract and very anti-inflammatory. Generally, even a person with severe arthritic pain who's having difficulty walking or even driving a car due to the pain can see a reduction of maybe as much as 50% of their pain just by uh, changing to this anti-inflammatory diet. Kabir, I have a question. When, when you talk about nightshades as a food group, sort of, what's the difference in contrast to the berries called you know, nightshade, which are highly poisonous? Is there any relation? I don't believe so. Um, I, there is apparently a poisonous quality within nightshade vegetables, which, you know, is uh, very uh, small, but I, I'm not uh, sure if the, it's the same category as the poisonous berries. I'm not sure. Thanks. Nor the uh, poisonous mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Kabir, I, I, you've, I, I, <laughs> you've given us sure. a lot to chew on here, Kabir, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> we're speaking with Kabir Southwick, our uh, health consultant, Ayurvedic, and naturopathic practitioner coming to the end of the show. And we would love to hear, although you've given us many so far already today, a specific health tip for us. Well, I guess I have to stick to the health tip I mentioned in the beginning just so I can overemphasize it. Stop snacking on cookies, crackers, and nuts during the day and just have some uh, fruit. Now, of course, I'm giving these uh, advice in general terms, but uh, it should be based on your uh, health condition and even more importantly, your uh, body type. So certain fruit are suitable for certain body types and certain vegetables for other uh, body types. So that would be my uh, best advice to improve digestion is to eliminate the snacking. This will help with digestion. This will help with uh, weight management and it will help with uh, uh, energy levels throughout the day and you'll become more productive because you won't be eating every couple hours. You'll have, uh, you'll be able to go four or five hours, uh, without having to worry about food. And that's very important when people have lunch and they're not thinking about food all the way to dinner. This is very healthy. This means that you, you had the nutrients, you absorbed the nutrients, you digested the food properly from your lunch. You didn't feel heavy or sleepy or tired afterwards. You actually felt an increase of energy and then the body used those carbohydrates uh, protein to a lesser degree, and then started utilizing the uh, uh, dietary fat, then started burning your body fat, and you went right to dinner and didn't even think of food. Maybe you had an apple, maybe you had some tea, and that's uh, a good sign when you're able to go this uh, four, five, six hours without even thinking or worrying about food. 
And once you stop snacking for a while and uh, force or require the body to go for longer periods of time, you'll find the body adapts very quickly, gets used to it, and uh, you feel more comfortable um, uh, throughout the day, and, and it helps with uh, reducing these uh, cravings. Well, that was a great health tip, and uh, we were fortunate to have uh, another show with you coming up in February. Christina, any uh, final thoughts? Oh, this is uh, I, I, this is a good show because uh, Kabir, it's what you've shared with us about the bowel movements, <laughs> as well as you know snacking on the nuts and everything. You know that that's one of the common things that people go towards is uh, the nuts and the dried fruit. Because it's easy to pack, it's easy to take with you, but uh, it goes against what a lot of diets, quote unquote, diets that are out there for weight loss. It goes against a lot of that. And meanwhile, you're telling us now, well, when you're snacking like that, you're gonna, you're not gonna lose the weight. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, because you're just burning or utilizing the foods that you're eating. You, if you want to lose weight, you have to burn the body fat off. Mm -hmm. And if you want to burn the body fat off, you have to stop eating so the body has is uh, required to uh, burn it. That's why the body stored it because you 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 consumed more than you're able to uh, burn off in your activity. So uh, if you eat, uh, don't stop eating, but you're just putting more space between the meals. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other uh, point I think I made is try to eat around the same time every day and to not eat on an irregular basis. Stick to your schedule. This will also strengthen your digestive system very fast. And the last tip is fennel seeds. Have fennel seeds after every meal. I have them right here on, the, on the, my desk, and uh, you chew a few fennel seeds after every meal, and that soothes the digestive system. It could even uh, help with people who get heartburn or acid reflux and it calms the digestive system after a meal. And if you go to an Indian restaurant, you see mm -hmm. at the door, they always have a little fennel seeds. Mm -hmm. that, that's my tip there. Have fennel seeds after every meal. Thank you. <laughs> wow, that's two tips, Glenn. <laughs> I know. I got, I got more tips. We could just I, do a I whole class on tips. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking about most of the restaurants that that I see that up at the front, they have mints and candies and oh my gosh, yes. all sorts of other things. And like you said, the fennel in the Indian restaurants. Amazing. Oh, sorry. One more tip. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't drink water before the meal, particularly cold water. When you're in a restaurant and they bring cold water to your family, I, I tell them to remove it. Don't, I'm just about ready to have a nice uh, Indian meal. Cause I really only go to Indian restaurants. Um, and I don't want them bringing cold water to snuff out my, uh, uh, stomach acids or mm -hmm. my family's stomach acids prior to the meal. We're all hungry. Don't be giving us cold water. Let us bring the food on. We're ready. <laughs> so having cold water uh, before a meal, particularly ice water is, is, is disastrous. You probably have lost 50% of your digestive capacity, uh, just by having, a half a glass of uh, ice water before a meal. Yeah, we talk about that with Tracy Harrison, mm -hmm. one of our nutritionists. She always talks about uh, water, when you should have it, when you shouldn't have it, uh, based on the meal times. I'm very grateful to our very special guest, Kabir Southwick, our, <laughs> our Ayurvedic doctor and naturopathic practitioner. Uh, Christine and I really enjoy these shows, and I know when people are watching these shows and listening to them on their podcasts, they're going out, people are changing their diets, and, uh, and a lot of talk about this as we go on. So we're much appreciative, and thank you for sharing, again, your wisdom and expertise with us. I'd thank also like to me. thank, yes, definitely. I want to thank my teachers and my healers who have allowed me to go on my journey, and Christina and Yoga Hub. In Segovia for all of the work that they're doing. And uh, I look forward to seeing each and every one of you again uh, in our next episode. But until then, I wish you all optimal health. Thank you, Dr. Glenn Woolman. Thank you, Dr. Kabir Salzweg. This is another fantastic show. <laughs> now you, we all have to refocus on how we eat and how we poop. <laughs>
<laughs> and of course, we would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're grateful for your continuous support and look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. We invite you to join us on Tuesdays for Magical Medical Tour at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays for Trinity of Life at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, followed every other week with Flowing into Awareness with Anatara. And we look forward to bringing you a new slate of shows this 2014 and encourage you to look out for our newsletter of when to join us for those shows. You can connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman by following him on Twitter, at Glenn Woolman, and of course through his own website, glennwoolman.com, where you can learn about his metaphor, Square Breath. You can also connect with our special guest, Dr. Kabir Southwick, at naturalhealingwest.com, naturalhealingwest.com. I really encourage you to go to his site there. He has so many articles, so much wonderful, wonderful information on his site alone, and, and you can contact him directly through that. Again, we're very grateful for your feedback and your support. If you have any questions uh, for Dr. Glenn Woolman or uh, Kabir Southwick, please just type them into the website and uh, we will get back to you. We will pass those questions or comments on to them and we will get back to you. Or if you prefer to call us directly at 818-LET'S-TALK, 818-LET'S-TALK. And when you leave the message, be sure to say who it's for and how we can contact you back so we can um, send you the response. And again, we're grateful for your continuous support. Until next time, namaste. Namaste.